Welcome to the Palef Bukhara podcast. She is speaking. She is speaking. In each 20-minute episode, I'll have the chance to interview and celebrate strong, brilliant and inspiring women. If you're not learning and growing and you're not uncomfortable, you're standing still. My philosophy is two things, structure and flexibility. Hello and welcome back to the Kalef Bukhara podcast. She is speaking. Today we're going to be talking with Melissa Bestie. Melissa has had an incredible career in the world of luxury and fashion with executive positions at Neiman Marcus, Alexander McQueen, Marshall Field, Saks Fifth Avenue and Interlux. Today, she is Global Chief Executive Officer at Acris, a luxury women's wear brand from St. Gallen. Hello, Melissa. How are you? Hi. So nice to see you. Nice to speak with you today. Yeah, you look. I have to say for people listening that you look so chic. I feel kind of underdressed now. I feel like I should have put a suit on or something, you know, more more elegant and corporate. But uh, you look you fabulous. Look terrific. Thank you very much. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about Acris because it's it has a unique positioning in the world of fashion. Um, can you tell me a little bit more about it? Sure. Um, Acris is a luxury fashion and accessories house for independent women with purpose. The house's history began exactly 100 years ago this year. Oh, wow. Congratulations. Thank you very much. Important anniversary for us that we will we'll begin the celebration actually this fall and continue through the first half of next year. But the house was founded in 1922 in St. Gallen. Um, it's a today a third generation privately owned and operated company. Today it's two brothers, Albert Kremler is the creative director and Peter Kremler is president. And um, their grandmother started the company in 1922 making Swiss embroidered aprons. Oh, wow. That's interesting because St. Gallen is, is well known uh, for its fabrics, right? It's, uh, it's world famous. I think yeah, St. Gallen is kind of, and always has been kind of the world's capital of embroidery and lace. And it, it, it goes back to that time period and many other family owned companies that produce embroidery um, are, are people that we've worked with since Alice's debut with her Swiss embroidered aprons oh. um, at that time. And they, they those houses supply embroidery and lace to many fashion houses all over the world. Yes, I remember first hearing about it. So I was born in the UK um, with Princess Diana because I think the embroidery from her dress came from St. Gallen. And I remember as a you know young girl, I was looking it up on the map to see where it was. <laughs> um, so did you always know that you wanted to be in fashion? Well, um, no, actually not. I intended to go to law school. I had enrolled in law school after I finished my undergraduate program. And then only by chance through the business program at the University of Wisconsin-Madison, I saw posted a flyer saying the Neiman Marcus uh, was coming to the campus to interview for their executive development program. Okay. So I threw my name in the hat just out of curiosity um, of nothing else. And, you know, 20 some years later, here I am. But um, it, it's been a long, really interesting and, and fun journey since my my times at, at Neiman Marcus. And funny enough, when I went through the interview process, 
It seemed as if really all the other candidates were retail majors, had done internships at Neiman Marcus. I knew nothing about retailing whatsoever. And I had two horrible second in days of second interviews in Dallas, Texas, where I thought I did nothing other than embarrass myself. So when they called two months later to say they would like to offer me a role to join their executive development program, oh, really? I was certain that they had me confused with someone else. I didn't even ask the salary or the compensation. I just said, I accept. I will oh, be wow. there. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> and that was what did you say 20 years ago? 20 some years ago now. Yes. So you had two stints at Acris, right? Can you tell me a little bit about that? Sure. I was the, the CEO for the Americas um, for five and some, five and a half years, I'd say. I left the company to do something very different. I was working for a private equity, setting up a portfolio of brands that we invested in, something that was very new to me. Um, I, I, and it's not that I didn't I love Acris. I loved Acris. But I had to take my own advice, which is always, if you're not learning and growing and you're not uncomfortable, you're standing still. And I felt like I had done a lot in my current role at Acris, but I wanted to make myself uncomfortable, and yeah. I did. And I went to learn new things, and I always maintained a friendship with Albert and Peter. And years later, when I left my role at Interlux, they had said they wanted they missed me they wanted me back in the organization and that they thought it was time to have someone from outside the family in a c-suite role and so i'm the first female in the organization in a global c-suite role and that's both an honor and a privilege oh do you spend a lot of time going back because you're based in the u.s um do you go back and forth from switzerland to to america I, I do. I spend um, one week a month in Switzerland, at least. And then I have, well, pre-COVID times, multiple trips to Asia every year and some also domestic travel in the U.S. But at least I spend one week a month in, in Switzerland. And, and frankly, the digital capabilities of today allow me to feel very connected with my team, even when I'm not physically yeah. present. How, how do you manage your teams? Do you have any tips? I mean, or any, how can I say, you know, ways that you, you manage to keep everybody motivated and moving forwards when you're not there? Right. Well, I, I, my, I guess my philosophy is two things, and they're contradictory in a way, structure and flexi flexibility. So structure in a way that every person that directly reports to me has a dedicated time on my calendar every week. They may use the entire time, they may not use the entire time, but it's designated for them. And then flexibility in that I, I keep multiple hours a day flexible on my calendar so that everyone can have access to me, get quick answers, um, so I don't hold up things in motion. Okay, how many, how many people are in your team? I have about 12 direct reports and then the teams under them as well. Okay. How do you, um, we we're talking a little bit, you know, about COVID times. Um, how have you managed to stay connected to your clients in these difficult times? Because I imagine you have quite a close relationship um, with your clients. We do. You know, the, the same family values that exist at the top and with the, the Kremler family extend all the way through the relationships that we have with our clients. Our loyalty amongst our clients is 
in some ways unprecedented. I, mean, I think it was the Financial Times years ago said it's the the most successful fashion label you've never heard of. Um, and, you know, COVID, interestingly enough, pre-COVID, I was extending this idea to my team that I refer to as the Wallace store. Yeah. And in that, the, the, we service the customer wherever and whenever she wants to be serviced. If it's in a physical store, it's in her home. Um, if we're sending packages to her and she's sending back what she doesn't love or doesn't fit quite right, um, it really is up to the customer how and when she wants to be serviced. So okay. that was pre-COVID. Then we really had to believe that come COVID, um, since our stores all over the world were closed for for quite some time. And if we just, it's new ways of, of working, but the principles of caring about the customer and the connectivity um, apply. And so it was just really underscoring of our of our values and the relationship that we have our customer that we learned throughout COVID. Okay, sounds like you were quite well set up to to continue business, thanks to this connection. I, it was, yeah, I, it was. I think it was a, a a great learning for all of us that we need to be nimble, and um, and that that the world can throw um, many things at us, but that if we're if we're thoughtful and we're curious and we're open to change, that there's always a solution to move forward. I'd love to talk about the clothes because I can see you, but people listening cannot yeah. see you. So how, <laughs> how do you describe them to someone who's you know, never heard about Chris? How, how do you describe them? Uh, I you know, would say that they're, they're modern clothes for a woman with purpose. And so it's a woman who day to evening, um, weekdays to weekends from special occasion to not it's very elegant streamlined refined modern but fashionable at its core they make you feel when you put it on because elbert believes so much in that they're clothes after all right you're wearing them they're not just to look good from afar it needs to be comfortable it needs to have ease women today have very busy lives and so clothes need to be as much functional as they need to be elegant and beautiful. One of my favorite things that Elbert says is when a woman enters the room, you should look at her and say, wow, she's elegant, beautiful, confident. And only later do you inquire, and what is that that she's wearing? Oh, I see. And so you, you really notice her first and then later the clothes. And so I feel that way every day, you know, I think about what do I have on my agenda for the day? How, what role do I need to play? How do I, and how, do, what am I going to wear that's going to make me feel at ease, but also the most confident and best version of myself? Yeah, no, that's lovely. And the other, you know, thing I think why our customers are so loyal is the quality and the fit um, is not to be compared. It really is the highest value of, of, fabrics that go in. Albert thinks long and hard about the best pant fit for every woman of every different silhouette. It's not just for a tall woman. It's not just for a short woman. It's not just for a thin woman. He really gives great consideration to all women and how they're they're going to feel in it. And the clothes are 
forever modern. And I think especially in a time where sustainability is such a discussion topic in any industry, the highest mark of sustainability is something that you're going to cherish as much in your wardrobe 20 years now as you would today. Yeah, no, definitely. And it's often an economy. I found the things that I've invested in that I'm still wearing 20 years later. Yes. Um, you know, when you divide it by 20, it was actually a super deal. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, do you, are there any famous people, uh, celebrities who wear your clothes that, who you can mention? Well, there are, there are many, many women, but without mentioning them specifically, what we do to kind of honor, not necessarily celebrities, but women that we deem as being women with purpose. People, women who live a purpose-driven life, we have a platform um, of which we profile and celebrate women that have made the conscious decision to um, better the path for other women and for um, the world as a whole. And we we really relish the opportunity to be able to celebrate these women. That's fabulous. You mentioned sustainability in terms of durability is something you can wear for years and years to come. There's a big, uh, I would guess, movement now towards like sustainable fabrics, how they're produced, um, raw materials. Is that something that's also important to you at Chris? Yes, we're certainly very attentive to this. And, and, and frankly, the story started with Alice um, back in 1922 when she was making Swiss embroidered aprons. It's largely made out of embroidery. So all the scraps, when they cut the different pieces together and um, that were the remnants, she used to make patchwork aprons. So nothing went to waste. And that same philosophy extends to today. Also, the, the, the large majority of the fabrics that we use are all natural. Wool, cotton, cashmere, et cetera. We have long-standing relationships with what are primarily family-owned fabric mills that we've been working with for many, many years. And so we really understand the entire path from the, the raw materials to the production of the, of the fabrics. So we really have an end-to-end view on how that is regarded. You've spent, uh, you said, 20-plus uh, years um working in the fashion industry, how has it changed? What shifts have you seen? It's changed tremendously. And for a multitude of reasons, um, the business model and the sales channels have extended. Once upon a time, it was about shopping in a store. And then there's department stores. And then the online uh, channel uh, provided an opportunity for many customers that were not in AAA cities in the world to consume um, luxury products. Something else that's really shaped kind of changes as the the world um, the world today is is largely dominated by the fa- large fashion groups, LVMH, Carrie, Richemont. Um, and so Acris is actually one of the last remaining luxury privately owned companies. And um, that that's quite unique to us. Many have decided to to join the larger groups, and the the fashion world was slow to get in getting on board with online sales. And 
the the fashion industry has been one where they 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 really reverted back to a, a legacy of the way that commerce happened um, in the past. And what what we've learned is the customer is now in the driver's seat, right? Mm. It, it, and how, how and when, as I mentioned before, she wants to shop is always the answer. And so instead of looking back and saying, this is the way legacy, the way we used to do things, we need to remind ourselves every day that the lens for the right decisions for today and tomorrow is always looking forward. And this is a tremendous change in the way that retailing and specifically luxury um, commerce happens today is really looking forward and learning from what customers are teaching us of what the, the way that they want us to show up in the world. Yeah, it's a real shift, huh? That the customer is really at the center of, of everything now. Yes. And, and and we have to follow or you have to follow their lead yes. rather than, than you showing the way. No, it's very interesting. Exactly. When you look back over your career, what, what would you say you're most proud of? You know, I'd say I'm very fortunate to have had tremendous mentors along the way. And for that, I am most grateful for I'm most proud, I would say, of trying to remain grounded while keeping a, 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 a focus on developing people. Um, watching others grow in confidence is the biggest measure of success for me. I, I think that I'm still primarily that nice girl from Wisconsin that worked hard, was curious, always tries to be kind, passionate and somehow ended up in a dream job living between New York City and St. Gallen, Switzerland. Oh, that's great. They're great values to have as well. Sometimes we think that it's not possible to to be kind and, and nice um, and be at the top, but more and more we're seeing that it is possible, which is, which personally I just, I think is really great. And, and people like you obviously leading the way. So well done. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Uh, what do you enjoy most about your job? Um, always learning something new. And I think that curiosity and the pursuit of learning is key to success in any career, but also in life, not just about your professional achievements, but your own human development as, as well. So I think always striving to be curious to learn something new motivates yeah. me every day coupled with finding ways to inspire others and their curiosity and that's when they're the greatest work of your team um, arises when they feel inspired motivated have freedom to try things i really believe in the 75 25 percent rule in retailing we talk about sell through okay. right the percentage of product that you sell at regular price and if we sell 75 percent we're thrilled and in the 25 percent that we don't sell i hope we fail largely i hope we went for the most extreme fashion elements i hope we made people dream i and 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 that 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 really applies to everything in business to be able to take risks, take large risks. And, you know, that's aligned with not standing still, always, always looking ahead. 
One of um, Carl F. Bucher's slogans is a single second can change history. Um, is there a single second or a moment in your life or in your career that, that really changed things for you? Perhaps that phone call from Neiman Marcus? <laughs> it, it was definitely that moment when I thought they had me confused with someone else. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm grateful that, that that moment occurred in my life. I think the other moment is I was 26 years old when my father unfortunately passed away. And he was only ill for a little bit over a year. So it wasn't that wasn't that much time. Um, and we we didn't think that things were going to turn out as they did. But through what was the most difficult time in my life, it was also a gift in a way because it made me think at a quite young age that we don't know when our day is going to be mm -hmm. up on this earth and that to think forward about how you want to be remembered and thought of and that to use that as the framework for your decision-making of choices, actions, your relationships in your life um, really help shape my my values even more so. And for me to kind of fine tune my own purpose. And so what was a horrible moment in my life was also a gift in a way. It's an interesting way of of thinking of uh, of your your place in the world. Uh, yeah, I will apply that too. I'll think about that now. It's a it's lovely. It's a beautiful mm -hmm. way of uh, of of being. Well, I think that's that's very reflective of how I feel about the last two years and all the challenges that the universe has served up to us, right? And so, you have to just keep moving forward. You have to persevere. And you have to, as I, I like to say, move through the sticky stuff. Yeah. And it's very rewarding to move through the pain. And on the other side of pain is always joy. And so if you change your perspective and look at the difficult things that happen in life, professionally, personally, et cetera, through that lens, it really changes yeah, things. That's very true. What advice would you give uh, a young girl wanting to follow in your footsteps if we have any young girls listening today? What advice would you give them? Be curious, ask endless questions. I did not in the beginning, and I do regret that. I thought I had to have all the answers. That's silly. You're there to learn. Lean on your mentors, find mentors, and lean into them. Good leaders love to mentor other people. Listen to your gut. Get comfortable being uncomfortable. Otherwise, you're just standing still. And life is not about standing still. And be kind. The, the golden rule still, I think, should be a, a global yes. law. Yes, <laughs> I agree. We, we, we live in a better world. Oh, I agree 100%. <laughs> um, any big dreams left to realize? Um, I guess... We should never stop. We should never stop dreaming, and dreams evolve and change. And sometimes the unexpected ends up being a dream come true. My dreams, forward-looking, include professional achievements, um, but also, as I mentioned, my own human journey, spirituality, and fine-tuning my own purpose, one chapter at a time. 
at the end of the day, the, the quality of your life is defined by your ability to notice the details, yeah. um, to essentially live a life of consciousness. I don't, I have many adventures about travel. I want to check off my bucket list, run a marathon potentially this year, but with that really a large focus on my own human journey. Oh, that's great. There are very good dreams to have. Now I have a little, um, treat for you because at oh. the end of each podcast, we, we have, uh, like a rapid fire oh, question round. So, so I have 10 questions. You can say the first thing that comes into your head, okay. there are no wrong or right answers. It's just for a little bit of fun. Terrific. So if you're ready, I will, I will start. I'm ready. Okay. What is your favorite piece of clothing in your wardrobe? A Kelly, it's a Kelly green sleeveless silk linen acris top and matching wide leg pant. I'm wearing it in a picture of my bulletin board here from 10 years ago, our 90th anniversary book signing that I was standing on the floor of Bergdorf Goodman between Albert and Peter Kremlin. Oh, excellent. It comes once, it comes out of my closet once a year for a special occasion. Oh, lovely. If you could swap jobs with someone for a day, what would you quite fancy doing? Oh my goodness. I think I would shop swap jobs with Daniel Balud at his namesake restaurant, Daniel in New York. I, I love cooking and I would love to work with a group of professionals that he surrounds himself with every day. And much like that of Acris, the attention to detail that they give to every dish that they, that they cook the presentation, you don't even want to eat it, um, the way that it's served and presented to their customers, the environment, the music, the flowers. It's it's very much like the actress luxury world that we live in with our customers um, every day, but um, in the food world. And he does it so beautifully and with ease. Ah, oh, wow. That, I'll have to look him up next time I'm in New York. <laughs> <laughs> you should. Uh, if you could cha- uh, travel in time. Where would you go? Any particular Ooh. period that interests you? It could be past or, or, or future. I would travel back to the Roaring Twenties. Oh. I love the fashion, the glitz, the glamour, the music. You know, there's been a lot of conversation in the last year that when we all come out of COVID, it's going to be like the Roaring Twenties again. And I hope that's the case. Yeah, I hope so too. That'll be fun. <laughs> What do you value the most in a friend? Um, trustworthiness. Okay, that's a good one. Honesty. Yeah. Yes. What do you do to relax when you're not working? Cook. Ah. Garden. Um, I love to entertain. So my weekends are generally filled with entertaining friends at my home. Oh, that's lovely. What country haven't you been to yet that you'd still like to tick off your list? Many. Um, India is very fascinating to me. I am very intrigued by Buddhism and I've been, meditations become a very important part of my life. It was pre-COVID, but boy, oh boy, I've leaned into meditation a lot in the last two years. Yeah. It's really a savior, but, um, I, I would, India would might be top of my list. Okay. That's a good one. 
Um, if you had an extra hour in the day, what would you do with it? Hmm. Probably more time reading. Okay, yeah, me too. I'm, I'm with you on that one. Okay, what's your favorite animal? Well, my dog, of course. Okay, um, of course. She's, she's a rescue. Um, her name is Cleo, and I rescued her, rescued her five years ago from a shelter in East Hampton, and they said at that time she was unadoptable because she was so abused. Oh, dear. And they had very low expectations for how she would develop. And she is a huge personality, completely confident, um, and the joy of my life today. Oh, sounds like she's a bit like her mom. <laughs> <laughs> she's a lot of fun. Oh, that's, that's lovely. What kind of dog is she? She's a hound mix. Oh, okay. So last question, do you have a favorite time of day? Hmm. Are you a morning person, more a night owl? I'm a morning person and I, I tend to, I, I'm an early riser, I'm up at 5.30, 6 o'clock in the morning, and I try to get all my personal things done before I leave for the office at 7.30. Meditation, you know, small tasks that I need to do, then I feel like I've cleared that that part. I've already accomplished a lot before my professional day yeah. gets going. But I also love very specifically about 7 p.m. in the summer okay. um, when it's that beautiful twilight hours when the day the days extend until 9 p.m. and your your day's work is done and you can just relax and, and enjoy being outside in nature. That's very specifically my favorite time of day and year. Well, that is very specific. <laughs> but it's a, you're right. It's a magical moment. Ho hopefully summer will come around soon for all of us in the Northern Hemisphere. Well, it's about 60 degrees in New York today. So it feels like spring. I keep thinking I'm going to see daffodils oh. popping up on my way home from the office this evening. Oh, I hope so. Yeah, it's been pouring rain here <laughs> in Switzerland. So not much fun. <laughs> uh, thank you so much, Melissa, for, for your time and for sharing um, your, your journey with us today. Oh, it's it's been my pleasure. It was it was lovely chatting with you. Lovely chatting with you too. And you take care. And I will. I'm going to check out uh, Acris, my nearest my nearest place. <laughs> Thank you. Please do let me know your thoughts. I will. All right. Take care, and you have a good day. You too. Be well. Thank you so much for listening. We will be back soon with another wonderful guest for you. So stay tuned. Until then, stay well. I invite you to subscribe to the She Is Speaking podcast so you don't miss out on this episode or future episodes that include a lineup of exceptional women. Thank you for listening.